from the Thai Cats Audio Network. This is the Thai Cats This Week with RJ Broadhead and Luke Tasker. Great to have you on Thai Cats This Week, Game Four of the season for the Tiger Cats. They're back home at Tim Hortons Field on Canada Day, July 1st. Should be a fantastic day, should be a great crowd, and maybe it'll be their first win. I'm RJ Broadhead along with Luke Tasker and Luke, looking at the record, both teams are 0-3, but let's specifically talk about the Tiger Cats. 0-3 start. I've said time and time again, so you know I'm not concerned about it at all. I don't see anything catastrophic here. There's been a lot of good signs. Some bad luck has gone against them. But also you look at the East Division. That's what, the to me, is the most important thing. And they're one win out of first place in the division. And it's a tough week for all the East Division teams. BC's in Ottawa, Montreal's in Saskatchewan, Winnipeg's in Toronto. So this is a chance for the Tiger Cats to take care of business on home field. Even though they're on three, they could get that victory and be tied for first place. It's it's a lovely sport, isn't it? Yes. I, I told Coach <laughs> Are you o, concerned? Well, I told Coach O today how positive you are. How I said, I said <laughs> not today, excuse me, earlier this week, I said, RJ has no worries about anything this season. I think it might be your hockey background where three games, every team loses three games at some point. <laughs> yeah. Well, I love yeah, the shorter, little shorter season exactly. here. Exactly. Love the optimism. Uh, and no, in, in all seriousness, I, I'm not... Uh, uh, I have no, I have no feeling of putting up the the alarm right now either. I, I really don't. I don't know. I and I, from my own experience as well, is, is from a number of rough starts that that turned into productive seasons. Uh, but I just see some things that are that are positive to me. I think you see, well, I got, I'm a I'm a Coach O guy, you know, and I think and I think that his. Uh, his uh, attitude and demeanor is is such that can lead a team to come back into a winning uh, record from this place. Uh, I'm not totally frustrated with the way that uh, Dane is playing by any means. Um, not not uh, I'm I'm I think the turnovers were a huge issue and they're becoming less so. And hopefully this week there's another step in the right direction. Uh, we hope Brendan Revenberg is back. Uh, the sacks are increasing. Um, I would love to see some more defensive takeaways and turnovers. Um, We've got a, our, our kicking game is strong right now. That's not a weak spot for us. Um, a lot of things to be positive about, and Edmonton is struggling. I, I do think that, uh, boy, this is just, uh, it, it, they're set to to put two halves together that both look like that first uh, first uh, half at Tim Hortons Field this season against the Stampeders two weeks ago. That's that's the, the Ticats we got to see on Friday. It is interesting when you look at the, the two teams statistically, and you know, we're disappointed in some of the categories for the Tiger Cats, but the Elks are a little bit worse in a lot of those categories. Anything can happen in, in one game, but uh, it has been a, a struggle for the Elks. They've given up a ton of points. Their fourth quarters have not been good. Tiger Cats have been getting off to a good start. First quarter is their best, but we've talked about it a lot. They have to be able to to finish a little better. You mentioned Dane. He has his best passer rating against the Elks, hmm. and... Do you feel in the first couple of games he was he was trying to do too much? Because the game against Winnipeg, it looked like he was throwing the ball away a lot more. You had some fun with my call on Dane's slide. I was a little bit surprised because right, right. usually Dane's battling for every single yard. And I, I'm not saying he should be battling for every single yard. I want him to be healthy and do the slide. But um, we haven't seen a lot of slides out yeah. of Dane. And he seemed to be throwing the ball away a little more. So what that could have been the message that you don't have to make a big play on every play 
Do you yeah. think that might have been it? Uh, yeah, I think there's a a, a uh, there was a noticeable attempt uh, specifically from Dane to protect the football, and that should just be every game. Uh, then you have to strike the balance of or, or some of those plays that you can that you can hold on you can hold on to the ball and continue to tr- to try to find something downfield. But I don't think that's really the time. I don't think that's really. Uh, uh, the action for Dane to take in response to those first two games. I think he was doing a good job of that. When I, as I think back the, the, the one time I can say, and Dane, Dane's post-game interview confirmed that that the, the throw in the red zone against Calgary in the second quarter, that was a forced throw trying to make something happen. That wasn't there a bad, a bad decision to throw that ball. And it's exactly the way that Dane put it himself. Other than that, uh, you know, you can, you can, talk and coach and, and focus as a player on, on the ball security uh, in the fum, as far as the fumbles go. And uh, that problem has been moving in the right direction. Uh, a lot of the turnovers I did, or the interceptions, excuse me, just aren't a, a, a huge worry to me right now. It's, um, you know, Stephen Dunbar Jr. Unfortunately was involved in two of those strange plays last week in Winnipeg where the ball was thrown to him. Probably not a terrible throw by any means. It'd be hard to, hard to say that. But just the timing of the of the of the uh, tackle and just inability to secure what would have been a real difficult catch and catch and hit, you know, uh, you're gonna. I think that, and I think you would attest to, and what you think about Stephen Dunbar Jr.'s work ethic, that that's he. Even though you can kind of make the argument, what I just did, that it was sort of just a unfortunate turnover, he's gonna kind of take that on himself and say, no, I'm gonna be a guy who can who can secure that catch, even though, yes, it is difficult. I'm going to make those catches the next time. And I don't know. I think, I think there's an upward trend or, or a trend in the right direction. I should say uh, in, in the turnovers. Yeah. Just watching Stephen Dunbar and his work ethic. I've found in my years in the business, when a player works that hard and they don't have their best game, they usually bounce back with a really good game. So mm-hmm. I would be shocked if, if Stephen Dunbar isn't, um, a star against the the yeah. Elks on Friday. Well, I think they'll give him chances to be, you know, I, and I think they yeah. need to. They'll they'll give him a couple a couple of big plays to make downfield, like he's already done this year. Um, to be, honestly, I would love to see a couple more like that to Tim White and Braylon Addison. But of course, it's a balancing act because some of the uh, meaning in play calling because some of the best football we've seen offensively that first half in against Calgary, that was when Dane was getting the ball the mini drop from from the shotgun position and finding his guy right away you know and and never never being looking for more than that five or six yard out route if that's what that's what's there you take it and guys like myself Andy Fantuz and Dave Stala I should say too who's getting honored this weekend who I spoke to who's Andy and I spoke to earlier this week you can you can just you can make an entire living an entire game plan off of that and so the Ticats have been great with that short passing attempt but a handful of plays if you're going to get 60 offensive plays a game that would be great and if you can if you can if you can afford three or four of those to taking a shot to guys like Dunbar uh Tim White with his speed worth I think it's uh worth worth the uh the chance it's a big asset the Tiger Cats have in their receiving core is is the speed, ability to break tackles, those yards after the catch, and playing quick like that, Luke. Does it wear down a defense? Yeah, absolutely. It keeps them on the field for a long time. It hurts. It's it just that you can – I remember when when the, when we were chipping away like that and you put together a long drive down the field, it, it, you, you, they're sort of exasperated. It feels like they've got no answers because if you can't – you cannot cover – 
the entire stretch of that CFL field, even with 12, some things open. It's a, it's a matter, it's a, it's a matter of predicting where it's going to be, what, 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 what coverage it is. And every coverage has a weak, has a weakness to it. So if you can get that right and you can find it quickly, it's hard for a defense to, to, uh, to shut it down. That mo- momentum is a real thing. I'll, I'll never forget the greatest comeback in Ticat history was Jeremiah Mazzoli in Edmonton, uh, 2016, I want to say, and, Jeremiah also broke the record for consecutive passes in a row by a CFL quarterback at that time, which I think was 22 or 23. But uh, we, it was just, it was just bang, bang, bang. There was never really a, a, uh, you know, a a hard uh, decision to make. It was just taking what was right there. And, and it's so, so difficult for a defense to find themselves once you start stringing together these short passes. You mentioned Brandon Revenberg. He, is expected back in the lineup, so that's great news. And Coulter Woodmansey is expected to start as well, so he got healthier quicker than expected. So, not having the uh, the American on the on the offensive line, that extra American now Wes Hills comes in at running back, and you know I'm not worried about the Ticats record. I I think D- Stephen Dunbar works hard, and I love Wes Hills. Every time I watch a practice, this guy stands out to me. I'm convinced. Not one defensive player can tackle him. He's going to, you're going to have to gang tackle him. So he's, he should bring a bit of a, a different dynamic to this, this running game. And hopefully it's the Tiger Cats um, best running game of the year. I guess they haven't set the bar that high for yeah. that. So he should be able to accomplish it. <laughs> yeah, you would, you would hope so. I, and you, I think you and I, each time we've seen uh, Wes Hill take the field, he just has like, the speed and the quickness that he brings with his size, like you and I kind of both look at each other in the booth, go, Whoa, like that was, that was explosive. You know, when he runs downhill hard and he, and you're right, he is hard to tackle. Um, any, any great running back will say, you know, it's going to, they can't do it alone. Right. So the health of Revenberg would that's, that's going to be a a bonus as well. Um, and as a receiver, it, it, it makes such a huge difference when you have that impactful five yards on first down in the run game, when you can get that second and three consistently uh, from, from the run game uh, it, it, it gives you relief of the burden of the game being kind of feeling like it's on your shoulders, but more so than that, if the run game is productive, it's sort of a, an endless cycle because you need the offensive lineman being able to move people around, which means you need a healthy offensive lineman. But you need those guys being able to push people around, which makes the running back get success. And when that running back gets success, you can go back to it. And then what happens is the offensive linemen are, are able to help themselves out. When, that, when those front four know that it's a pass play, they tee off. It's, it's really difficult as an offensive lineman. It makes your job even harder when they know that first movement of yours is backwards in, a, in that pocket-protecting uh, body language. In the run game, your first step is forward, and when you're, when you're driving that down and when you can keep that de- the defensive lineman you know, a, little bit, a little bit in the unknown as to what it's going to be, those linemen are endlessly grateful for that running back who's getting, who's getting that production. And so it takes both and they both need each other to be successful. And if, and if it's happening, it, it, it just, you don't need to have a hundred yards a game, a hundred yards a game from your running back in the CFL. You just don't, but you need to have a consistent four yard gain when you give them the ball. And the Ticats have not uh, been able to, to, to do that this year. And so the burden falls heavier on Dane, falls heavier on the wide receivers and certainly makes the offensive lineman's job more difficult. Uh, 
West Hills may may be able to do it. You know, it, we'll we'll see if that can if that can make a, an impact on the ability of the Ticat offense to stay on the field. So a lot of it, football is, is sort of like chess, isn't it, Luke? Where you anticipate what the other team's going to do, especially on defense. And if with the Tiger Cat struggles running the ball, it maybe was making it too easy for defenses to figure out what was going to happen. I think so. And the tackles hurt a little bit more in football than chess, you know, but the, <laughs> but you're right. It's a back Have and you forth. ever played a, a big tournament in chess? <laughs> <True>. <laughs> maybe, maybe it gets a little rough. Maybe I don't you know. sweat just as much. I don't know. The <laughs> Certainly there's a little back and forth there. And uh, I think it's, it's definitely that way for the play callers, right? They are really trying to, we're, we're breaking down, you walk into, prep for your week as a receiver or anybody in the offensive room and you get the breakdown of the statistically of of the of the defensive opponents that you're that you're looking at um a lot of teams i remember breaking when we're looking at red zone percentages it's here's an interesting one for you a lot of times you'd find and earlier in the season there's less there's less uh, reps so the stats are a little bit a little bit skewed by the end of the season you're working off of a lot of uh, a lot of uh, stats so it's a little bit more maybe, maybe you'd say statistically significant but sometimes you'd walk in there and and there's a team that you're facing that ran cover 0 95% of the times once you get into their 15 yard line so you kind of know that as a receiver, as a quarterback, as a play caller, you're 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 teeing up for that coverage. So that presents an opportunity for the defensive coordinator to to throw uh, sand in the gears and mix it up a little bit if he wants. But they're they're running that because that's what they think their defense is going to succeed in. Uh, it backed up to their own goal line, and the, each field zone is different, so it is a chess match. I mean, you're really trying to some plays you're calling that need a coverage to get to that target receiver. Let's say to get to the route, the concept that is got the the, the first read called the number one guy. You'd like it to happen, and and then there are there are plays with where you can you can wide receivers can adjust to a different coverage, but everyone's got to be on the same page. So there's a lot going on there. And if you, uh, you know, in those moments when a play caller is really on it and he's getting the right call for the right coverage or making a call that works against a couple coverages, uh, you know, that's when, that's when you start really rolling, um, for, for us as players, as you're out there, you know, as it's happening so fast, there are decisions to be made based off of a coverage that you see or based off of um, um, leverage that you have on a defender. But uh, it's much more a uh, it's much more a this or that or option one, option two. Whereas you're sitting up in the booth, Tommy Condell, Mark Washington, you have the whole spectrum of your calls in front of you. And you're making your you're making your call, uh, 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 you know, based off of uh, uh, giving your team a highest percentage chance. There's no perfect percentages, but there's a highest opportunity to win. Very interesting. Yeah, it is. It is. And I love picking your brain on that. And you had such a successful career as a Tiger Cats receiver. I, I want to ask you about the, the touchdown drought here. It's up to officially six quarters, but almost seven quarters because Tim White scored very early in the second quarter against Calgary. As an offense, when when does it become a concern? Six quarters without a touchdown is 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 that talked about? Is is that you're not going to win a lot of games? I I guess if you if you if this drought continues, yeah. Uh, as as a player, I would say, and everybody's different. Maybe some, maybe there are some guys who are who would be find some motivation in that, or, or kind of find motivation in looking to end that uh, streak or. Uh, you know, dry spell of touchdowns, but I would say no is my simplest answer as to is if it's talked about generally not. I mean, I, I think that uh, it's, that's such like a, 
that's a headliney stat, you know, for guys like you and I to talk about in the booth because it is interesting and it's in a whole game. We like our stats. Oh, hey, you know, that's where I am now. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I do now. The, that's why I said we. Yeah, that's right. The because it, it is interesting and it looks kind of it looks kind of it's kind of like wow, six quarters. I mean, you know, almost seven and. Uh, I think it's there's a little bit more control coming from that locker room and from that receiver room as to why touchdowns haven't happened and to boil it down to those you know technical technical whys um, you could turn on a number of plays down in the down in the score zone of in Calgary uh, and in Winnipeg as to little things that could have gone wrong specifically yes in the rain but to Stephen Dunbar Jr. in the end zone in Winnipeg where he made a great uh, play for the ball but just too difficult to catch to secure right then and just the the little inches here or there could have led to multiple touchdowns in each in each of those quarters and and uh, or, or each game i should say and uh that that's what they're focused on as players going back to look at last year's stats sometimes it it gives a bit of perspective um so the tiger cats have allowed 300 plus yards passing against in all three of their games this year you go back to the 14 game regular season last year and they only allowed 300-plus passing yards against four times. So they're, they're not – the defense has really kept them in game, so it's, it's very hard to criticize the defense. But is there uh, any alarm bells that go off with, with that, that there's been so many more passing yards allowed? Uh, I would say a little bit. And last week was an interesting game to me because Zach Caleros had a few – those first quarter uh, big plays down the field, two of them, where he had – so much time, so comfortable, and immediately talk about the, the the chess game and the back and forth with the coordinators. Mark Washington added pressure right away, and they were able to increase, uh, had more sacks in Winnipeg than they had in the in the whole season so far, and uh, that pressure was successful in that way. But if when when a quarterback uh, is able to work through that pressure there are just it's it's as simple math as could be there are just less guys in the defensive secondary now if more guys added to the rush that's basic right and so if you can defend the, the rush better well you've got a you've 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 got an inherent weakness in your coverage so that's the risk of blitzing in football and and uh i think you did see a little bit of that and uh, uh claris put a couple drives together with success but i wasn't i'm not really alarmed by by uh, a lack of success in pass coverage it's a balance you know you gotta the same thing as that balance between the running back and the offensive line is the same between the 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 front four on an 80 defensive unit and the eight that are dropping in coverage in your standard in your standard uh coverage looks so um you got to get a win here or there right and there were a couple times in winnipeg where the pressures were a result of great coverage or excuse me the sacks or or being flushed from the pocket were a result of great coverage too. So uh, not really alarmed by it. Um, you know, Bo Levi Mitchell put together an amazing second half that that led to a, one of those 300-yard games. I, I think you just got to let let that – you got to trust in that unit. There's a lot of all-stars back there. Uh, there's a lot of – there's moving pieces too and, and some injuries there as well, though not uh, not as many as or as damaging as some other areas for the Ticats roster. But I think you give it some weeks to progress. And just to to wrap up here, Luke, I, I always like to know what you're looking for going into the game for the Tiger Cats to be successful against the Elks on Friday. Mm. You're not going to like my answer, RJ. <laughs> Why not? Well, not enough stats in it. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't you dare! I'll get some. We'll get some good stats tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow night yes. in the booth. No, you're not going to like my answer because it's the same answer that I have 
it's about finishing. And in my, in my opinion, finishing requires a continued aggressive uh, approach to scoring. Keep the short passing game going. Keep keep on take shots if you get an ch- opportunity where you think it's a statistical likelihood. I mean, keep keep on rolling and bring pressure. And uh, you know, it's it, for some reason. And I wish I could pin down better for you why teams have had a lot of success in the fourth quarter. But why can't that team be the Ticats this week who has the success in the fourth quarter? So uh, absolutely uh, finish. But it's a home game in Tim Hortons Field. I think they're already. I'm definitely looking to win a turnover battle or a turnover ratio in a game. And Coach O, who obviously comes from a defensive mindset, kind of spit back to me that, and maybe I'm coming from an offensive mindset. So I'm always of this of saying, don't turn the ball over. But of course, the flip side yep. of the ratio is get the ball, and so and make yeah. force a turnover. So I'd love to see a turnover ratio win uh, for uh, uh, on on Friday. Um, and those, those are the two things that stick out in my mind. Win the ratio and win the fourth quarter. And the Outs have struggled with turning the ball over, and they haven't been great in the fourth quarter either. Two 0-3 teams, that means one of them is guaranteed to leave Tim Hortons Field or at least finish the game with a victory. And the Tiger Cats, if it's them, they'll be in pretty good spot in the East despite – Three rough games to, to start the season, Luke. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, looking forward to seeing you on Friday, and and maybe we get to call that first win of the season. That would be great, and uh, happy Canada Day. Can't wait to come up north and uh, celebrate with everybody up there. Yes, and the new uniforms. I was going to say wear your, oh. your red and white for Canada, but no, wear the steel gray of, uh, of the new uniforms for Good Hamilton. That'll, That'll be, be fun to see those. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. Well, this pregame show is at 6.30 Eastern time, and that will be on the Ticats Audio Network. Then Luke and I take over at 7.30 for kickoff. It is a big game. The Elks and the Tiger Cats both looking for that first victory. One of them will get rid of that zero in the win column. Looking forward to calling it. Hope you can tune in. For Luke Tasker, I'm RJ Bridehead. Thanks for listening to Ticats this week. It's been another busy week for your Hamilton Tiger Cats. Luke Tasker and RJ Broadhead have covered it all, and now we would like to hear from you. Email us anytime at gamedayatigcats.ca. Subscribe to the Ticats Audio Network on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.